1: Hey everybody, it is Red Sox beat once again. My name is Mike Petralia, Trags, and across the internet for me is the one and only Alex Barth of 98.5, the sports hub covering all things Boston sports. Please do follow him on Twitter at real Alex Barth, all one word. Okay, look, we have talked about David Ortiz the last couple of weeks and rightfully so, the newest uh, inductee into the Baseball Hall of Fame. We have to do some of the dirty work today, and that is talk about the labor negotiations between the owners and the players that threaten the start of the, uh, Mar- of the uh, Major League Baseball season. Opening day is March 31st. What is almost certainly, Alex, not going to come off on time is the start of spring training. Pictures and catchers, of course, reporting in just a couple of weeks. They're supposed to. That's not, not going to happen. I want to read from... Uh, the Athletics, uh, Ken Rosenthal, and Evan Drellin. With spring training likely to be delayed, here's why MLB and the Players Association are still far apart. Anyone sensing momentum in baseball's collective bargaining negotiations needs to take a deep breath. League and player representatives continue to hold much different views of the game's economics. The scheduled start of spring training in mid-February clearly in jeopardy in another few weeks opening day on March 31st would also be a long shot as well. As the owner's lockout drags into its third month, the essence of the problem is this. Major League Baseball contends it's proposing a better deal for players than the one they had under the most recent collective bargaining agreement, and the Players Association, Contends naturally the deal is worse. Okay, let's sum it up and try to break it all down here, Alex, into this. Scott Boris, the most reputable agent in all of Major League Baseball, games most prominent, said the players are dug in not only because their salaries are declining, but also because Major League owners and their franchise values, even with profits falling drastically during COVID 19, continue to soar. In other words, Alex, this major league baseball collective bargaining agreement does not get done until the landscape is agreed upon in how to negotiate um the nuts and bolts of the new cba in other words um the baseball owners say we got killed during the pandemic major league baseball players association says well that may be be, tr- be true but since 2002 your stock your uh, major league uh Team values have soared by nearly 670%, even taking into account the pandemic.
0: Yeah, and it's, you know, the owners are saying, hey, it's a better deal than you had last time. Last time was 10 years ago. It's a completely different, use the word landscape, right? It's a completely different financial landscape than it was 10 years ago. You would hope the deal is better than one that was signed 10 years ago. I'm not a business major. I think the term inflation applies here or something of the sort. Um, and the owners are basically saying that's good enough. They're willing to base the entire deal off something that was signed on the financials a decade ago. And the players, as they should, aren't falling for it. Um, and that that that's that's middle ground they absolutely have to find. That's middle ground they have to find for this thing to get done. And I would say it's on the owners to come to the compromise there. I think it's unrealistic to base a pay scale off of what was going on a decade ago, but we'll see what happens.
1: That's a great point and a point I was just about to make. Since 2002, all four of the major U.S. sports leagues have performed better than the S&P 500 on the stock market. That's according to PitchBook. We mentioned the 669% that MLB franchises have increased over the last 20 years. The NFL, 558% those two exceeded only by the NBA's 1,057%. That's a remarkable number, but uh, we'll save that for a Celtics podcast going down the road. Um, But uh, as you just mentioned, Alex, owners historically have pushed back on the relevance of franchise values in labor negotiations. And they say that they base payrolls on revenues, not the potential resale values of their clubs. But even putting franchise values aside, players remain dissatisfied with their share of the revenues and frustrated in their belief that the owner's latest proposals will not do enough to improve their overall standing. You know what that means, Alex? That means players still don't trust the owners. Shocking.
0: Yeah. Why should they? Again, you know, they're trying to pay them based off numbers they had 10 years ago. So it's going to get ugly. We knew it was going to get ugly. Look, two years ago, right? Yeah, two years ago. They had to kind of do a one-year CBA essentially for the the shortened COVID season, and they could barely figure that out. And that was for one season. Now they got to deal with ten. So there's other things that they have to get to as well that I'm sure we'll touch on. But certainly, it all comes down. Any negotiation comes down to trust. At a certain point, you got to look at, be able to look at the person on the other side of the table uh, in the eye, and it doesn't seem like either side can do that right now.
1: What's interesting also to me, Alex, is for the first time that I can remember in any of these CBAs uh, being negotiated, and I go back to 1972, that's how old I am, um, and I can remember when that season was delayed, uh, but it was more about just the basic essentials that Major League Baseball players from top to bottom, rookie to you know 15-year veteran were not getting from uh, the owners. Now, for the first time that I can recall, rookies and you know second and third year players are being taken into account in the newest cba the minimum and the reason i say that is for this reason the minimum salary the minimum is no small matter in baseball affecting a sizable number of players as the league skews younger it's critical to understand this because a lot of major league teams in smaller markets have tried to backdoor uh you know the the threshold luxury tax and, and tried to backdoor these skyrocketing values on players who they get into their fourth and fifth years uh, approaching arbitration. They want to avoid that if you're a small market team. Well, that's what MLB Players Association is, Association is trying to address here, right? They're trying to right. account for that. Uh, Backdoor channel and make sure that the younger players get taken care of. And uh, players have proposed increasing the minimum from 570,000 to 775,000. The owners have proposed that the players will earn 615,000 in their first year, 650 in the second. One other thing to keep into account about the minimums under the league's proposal teams could not exceed the set amounts by using their own formulas to reward top performers the way they have in the past.
0: So here's what really pisses me off about all this. And and I was on here with you probably a year ago, over a year ago now when major league baseball decided to essentially gut minor league baseball. Right. And you were, that was all done under the guise of ultimately this is better for the younger players. They're going to get paid more as minor leaguers. They are, there's not as many levels, so they'll get called up quicker and they're going to get paid more initially when they first get called up. And lo and behold, as I said at the time, as I think everybody guessed, <laughs> that was all total and complete bull, and it was wrong when they did it then. And now to have the game stall out in large part—you you ripped communities apart. Rob Rob Manfred ripped communities apart when he did that. He really did. People don't realize how integral some of these minor league no, baseball I teams are. I couldn't agree
1: more. Having you know, I'm are. going to cut you off right now. I, yeah, I in at the start of my career back in the late 80s uh worked in watertown new york new york men league worked in canton ohio and that was uh of course uh, the uh another minor league uh great uh, eastern league eastern league baseball trying to remember escaped me there for a second (laughs) eastern league and new york men league and those uh teams like you said are integral in those communities
0: yeah, I look, I worked for the, the only reason I'm still able to do this is I was able to work for the Lowell spinners. I made connections. I was able to get paychecks when you know, maybe I wasn't getting them elsewhere. But that's just us, it's just two people. I mean, to see what that the Lowell spinners, right, meant to the town of Lowell. And now you're telling me, and look, that hurt at the time. It still hurts. But it was like, all right, fine. If this is what we need to, to advance the game, if that's the argument you're making, that's the argument you're making. Now that's all going to be in vain. Now we're still having the same BS fight about not calling players up, not paying them enough, all of that. This is pathetic. This is absolutely pathetic. Nobody hates baseball more than Major League Baseball. And <laughs> this they do every single possible thing. Like picture the the like take a take a scenario where you have to make a decision. Pick the worst option. Major League Baseball is going to do something 10 times worse than that. This to me, I, and I, I know there's other issues of play here, but this is the one for me that cuts close to home. Uh, you're going to twist the, you're going to twist the knife on the whole younger players issue. Now, that's really what we're going to do here. That's just great. That's just wonderful. Thanks, Rob. Awesome. Uh, this real, real fun sport you got there. Real fun well, league you well, got
1: there. Well said, Alex. Let's move on to another point: arbitration and pre-arbitration bonus pools. Players want arbitration eligibility to start at two years of service. The owners want to keep it at three, a potential compromise increasing the number of second year players eligible for arbitration is out of the question from the league's perspective. One way or another, I think arbitration will get resolved that the one year when it's down to a one year difference, usually I think that can get worked out. So In November, we'll mention this, the league proposed to eliminate arbitration, establish a predetermined pool for three to six year players and pay them according to performance as calculated. And this stunned me a little bit, but it shouldn't by F war, meaning they are using sabermetrics. They are willing, the owners are willing to go into sabermetrics as a measuring stick, official measuring stick on how you play baseball players. What do you think of that?
0: Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. It's don't start applying imaginary numbers and having them actually. Well, they're mean not something imaginary,
1: and, but yeah, to a degree, they are artificial. They're not imaginary, but they are artificial. In 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 my way, that would thinking.
0: be the adult way to say it. Yes. yes, no, that would be probably be the adult way to say it. Um, it's it's also uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's arbitrary. It's arbitrary. Why is it F war? Why not war? Why not you know, you know. It, Baseball, baseball reference has the approximate value, right? It is value, arbitration,
1: right? but yes, go ahead.
0: Very, very nice. Um, I, I've never really gotten how baseball ended up with an arbitration process when none of the other leagues have it. I'm sure there's some story there. Um, you know, these guys baseball players certainly do have have, had the least amount of freedom i think the compromise you said it's off the table the compromise is making more second year players eligible i wouldn't be surprised if ultimately if that becomes the sticking point if that just gets you know put back in but um yeah they got they got to figure something out with that i think again it all goes back to they want to hold on to that team control they don't want players to become free agents but you know in baseball or in other sports, right? Guys become free agents 25, 26, 27 years old, like they're about to hit their prime. It's really exciting. You rarely get baseball free agents under the age of 30. You just don't see it. Right. So I well, they and I they keep them buried. Yeah, something...
1: they keep them to your point, Alex. They keep them buried right. in the minor leagues as long as they can, then start the clock. And I, I it's kind of a you know, half-assed way of doing it, if you ask me, because if they're going to do that they need to find a way to keep player control with the organization. Um, teams need to be rewarded for the who uh, call up younger players. Uh, and start their clock younger and if you let's say you do that then you get to keep the player for let's say maybe seven years if you bring a player up at the at, at, let's say 22. And then maybe keep them in the organization guaranteed through their till they're 27. To me, that's that's a reasonable compromise. But these teams are very concerned about losing players when they hit 25, 26, 27. And then, you know, then they have to start the process all over again. And that really hurts them competitively.
0: Yeah, I think you know if you want to apply a number to it, you mentioned F four. I think the number you really apply to it is age, and maybe you have different stipulations for guys drafted out of high school, guys drafted out of college. You can kind of set guidelines based on acquisition, you know, age at acquisition or something like that. But they, it's an imperfect system. The arbitration system is an imperfect system. It is something they need to fix.
1: All right, let's move on to luxury tax. Say one thing about John Henry. And the Red Sox ownership, they were have never been afraid to spend money for the most part. You know, there was all of that stuff about when they traded Mookie Betts and they have in the last couple of years tried to get back under, um, you know, the luxury tax threshold. Uh, And and some Red Sox fans were furious about the way they handled it. But I think long term for the competitive balance uh, of a team that is willing to spend up to that luxury tax threshold and, and has won four World Series titles, um, they deserve the benefit of the doubt. You know, that is just pure, simple fact, if you ask me. Uh, what's also interesting is, um, you know, they hired a general manager and Heim Bloom, director of baseball operations, who is really intent on building the farm system back up. In other words, what the Red Sox are trying to do is they're trying to to uh, be respectful of the luxury tax, plus develop their own um, homegrown talent like Theo Epstein envisioned back in 2004, 2003. Um, It's telling that the league calls the luxury tax the competitive balance tax. The owner's position the thresholds and accompanying penalties is critical to limiting the disparity between big spenders and small. John Henry's a big spender, but he is trying to act more like a small market team. You agree with that?
0: Yeah, I think, and and this is part of it too, you know, slow me down if I'm jumping ahead. I think you mentioned that term competitive balance. The real thing to do would be to add a minimum.
1: You know, I'm not saying get
0: rid of the luxury tax. Agreed. But I look at it more so as, and I think this is maybe something a a bone the owners could throw the players because the players are all for this. Make sure teams spend a minimum amount of money. Because the players want that because obviously it means there's more money out there. There's more money being put into contracts. And you know you don't get the Pittsburgh Pirates sucking ass for 20 years, right? You actually get a competitive product in a market that wants a team that will help the game. It really helps everybody. Like long term, I know the owners don't want to spend more money. Long term, I think a minimum helps the game and will help those franchise values grow and all of that. So that's more where I'm focused on this one. I think the luxury tax is what it is. Um, I think you need to have a, a salary floor as well. I Like, I would love to see a salary cap in baseball. The other three leagues have a catch-up. I don't think you're ever going to see that because the players, that would be a non-starter for the players with some of these massive deals that they have. But if you can add at least a salary floor, I think that would go a long way.
1: He is Alex Barth of 98.5 The Sports Hub. Please do follow him on Twitter, at Real Alex Barth, all one word. Well, there might be less football being played, but bet online has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season from scoring totals, player performance props to where the next coach is uh, where, where the next fired coach is going to land. Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50. To get started. And it's not just football. Bet Online's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game begins. All right, let's get back to talking CBA, and we only have a couple more points to touch on here before we let you go. By the way, uh, speaking of the luxury tax, Alex Barth of 98.5, the Sports Hub, the Players Union has grievances pending against four teams, the Athletics, the Rays, the Marlins, and the Pirates, pretty much the four teams you would expect at the bottom feeder of Major League Baseball. What is interesting to me about that is Two of those four are very competitive. Two of the four are not. The Athletics and Rays had very good seasons. Obviously, the Rays uh, made the postseason last year, made the World Series two years ago in 2020. The Marlins and Pirates, they've been pretty much a hot mess for um, the last seven years. And the Pirates, um, look, the Marlins have been bad, except essentially for uh, the two seasons that they won the World Series in 2003. In 1997, the Pirates, with the exception of making the playoffs and back-to-back years in 2013 and 2014, have been pretty much garbage in terms of competitiveness.
0: Yeah, and it's, again, these these are markets, maybe not all of them, maybe not Miami, but these are markets where, like the Pirates, when the Pirates are good in Pittsburgh, that's a big deal. That town goes all in, and whereas baseball is becoming a more regional sport, I think there needs to be more focus on areas like that. And that's, you know, I call Cincinnati another one, obviously they were good last year. That's something where baseball needs to do something to incentivize those teams, to make sure they're staying competitive with these bigger market teams like Boston, New York, and LA. And I think, you know, the salary floor is how you do that.
1: Uh, it's interesting. You mentioned Cincinnati mentioned Cincinnati because while the Bengals are heading to the Super Bowl, the Reds nearly made the playoffs last year. And what was really discouraging to, I think, Bob Castellini, the Red Sox owner, and his family. It's a family-run business here in Cincinnati. They had eight to 10,000 people at Great American Ballpark in the middle of a very hot pennant stretch, uh, playoff stretch for them, you know, a race to the playoffs. And, you know, this was while they were in playoff, they were technically the number two wildcard team for the first half of September, and people weren't showing up. I think owners like that are much more concerned about the bottom line, day-to-day business, revenue and what they're bringing in and yeah. what they're paying in salary than let's say obviously the the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Cubs, the Dodgers, all of these other markets with huge TV deals. You agree?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean cuz you have to, right? You have to. You don't. you're not getting most of most of baseball's income comes from their gate as opposed to other sports where maybe there's more money coming in from the TV deals. When you have 162 games, 81 at home, you're going to get a significant, significant amount of money from the ticketing process. So if you're not getting people in the door every day, that is going to affect your bottom line maybe more than any other game. But at the same time, then, it's on the league to figure out how you get more people in the door. I don't think it's something you can just flip a switch and, and all of a sudden do it tomorrow. But more competitive, more meaningful games is the way to do it. I know the Reds were playing meaningful games and people weren't showing up. But how long had it had it been since they were playing meaningful games? Like people aren't going to be invested. Well, they made
1: the playoffs the year before, but before that, and 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 I 2020 right. to me, the pandemic year for major league baseball 60 game season is such an outlier. It's such the rule exception to the rule, you know, that before that season, 2020, when they made the made the postseason and lost two straight games and right. shut out fashion to the Braves. Um, they had not been a, a factor. And, you know, the Reds are trying to band-aid together a team that will compete at least to get to the playoffs and then see what happens from there. They are not a team building a powerhouse year after year after year in Cincinnati. And that, I think therein lies the concern of the fans and why the fans aren't exactly buying it.
0: Yeah. But so that's the thing you got to, if the teams aren't good sustainably, people aren't going to buy in. And that's what you got to do. You got to figure out how to keep these teams competitive for longer periods of time. Minimum salary is one way to do that. In some ways, more free, you know, more free agent movement might be a way to do that because, yeah, okay, these teams aren't going to have as much control over these stars that they draft. And we know the pirates ship everybody out of town, whether it was McCutcheon, whether it was Garrett Cole, whoever. But they're also going to get called up younger. So you're going to get to see. You still will get to see a lot of them. So it's again, baseball. Baseball loves to shoot itself in the foot. Major League Baseball loves to shoot itself in the foot. I think there's a lot of things that the sport could do that would help the game in the long term, but they're so focused in the short term, and maybe they have to be to some extent.
1: The league's so all,
0: focused in the in the short on. term that it hurts them. That, the, that was it.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Draft lottery. The league by acquiescing to a lottery is acknowledging for the first time that tanking is a problem. And the question is, what will fix it? Both sides would include an all non-playoff teams in a lottery very much the way the NBA does it. The league wants only the top three picks in play. The union wants the top eight and while the number probably is negotiable the bigger fight might be over the union's desire to reward additional picks to teams that reach certain levels of performance and the league wants no such part um wants no part of such a plan um interesting alex i think they're onto something i think a lottery would work i just don't think i think sometimes that the that major league baseball owners think that they can pull out something from another sport like the NBA and expect it to work the same way in Major League Baseball. And it doesn't work that way. Look, Major League Baseball is trying to pump up the draft, right? Every June, they're trying to make it what the NFL and NBA are. It's not going to get there just because minor league baseball and college baseball are not exposed to people the way college uh, basketball is and the way college football is, right?
0: Right. So here's what you do. I this is something I've actually thought a lot about and talked a lot about because as you know I'm a big draft person. Yes. There's a couple things you got to do. First off, and this is more maybe more of an NCAA problem than an MLB problem. Let kids get agents. If they don't get drafted, they lose, they drop the agent and they go play in college. That's first off. Uh or that would probably be second. The real first one I'd see it say is major league baseball needs to do a better job of propping up college baseball. They don't do it as much as maybe the NFL That's does, good point or the NBA does. And College baseball might be the most college baseball or college hockey is the most underrated product in sports. College baseball, I love the college world series, it's so much fun. I watch it every year, I get really into it. Um, major league baseball needs to do more to prop that up because there's some legitimate stars. Like Kumar Rocker's really the first one, and ultimately he had the injury issue. But like people got into Kumar Rocker, and I think it, it, by the way, it's college baseball, it's not these curmudgeony. People running it where they don't let the players have fun. Players in college baseball can have fun. The other thing, and this is so obvious, Trags, and maybe you couldn't do it back when you had the 40-round drafts. Get rid of the 40-round draft, seven rounds, 10 rounds, whatever you want to do. Let teams trade picks. That is the draw. Agreed. That is is the draw of the NFL and NBA draft, is the trading, the moving up and down the board, the art of it all, you have to it, – it's such an antiquated concept. You have to, have to. And by the way, don't do it like the NBA where they trade picks, but then the players technically aren't drafted by the team the pick got traded to. Do it like the NFL. Let teams trade picks. That's going to cut down on tanking, and it's just – it's, it's going to be a lot more fun. It's going to be a lot more fun. You have to start letting teams – or do your 40-round draft, and you can trade picks from the top 10 rounds or seven rounds, whatever you want to call it. You have to let teams trade picks during the season overall like the other leagues do it's the it's going to make that better it's going to make the deadline better it's just going to be a lot more fun
1: I am hoping and praying that they get this deal done in the next week or two so we can or at by the end of February for that matter what am I talking about next it's not going to happen in the next week or two but at by the end of the month maybe and hopefully we have let's say an abbreviated spring training and then uh, get the Major League Baseball season underway with maybe maybe a week delay, and then nobody will, everybody will forget about this garbage uh, that took place in the offseason. And look, mo- we understand most fans aren't paying attention and won't even pay attention to the specifics of the new CBA until um, the deal gets done. And even after Uh, the deal gets on. The fans just want to talk baseball. They want to talk who has the best average. What's my rotation looking like? What are we doing to address the back end of the bullpen? That's what fans care about. They really, but we're, we're just talking about this today just because we want those baseball fans out there who do care. and, And like, what exactly is this new CBA all about? Why is it different than the collective bargaining talks uh in the past. Why is it different from that uh from those? And you know, we hope we've given you some insight. Anything else on your mind, Alex?
0: Um, baseball wise, that's pretty much it. There's you know, we can't she get Ohtani. to anything else D- until we get to this. A couple of minutes. Oh yeah.
1: A couple give me a couple of minutes on Shea Otani and the cover of uh MLB uh 2022.
0: Yeah well I, I was a little surprised it wasn't him last year. Not that um um, why can't I, why can't I think of his name? The, the, no, no the Padre shortstop?
1: Oh, um, Fernando Tatis Jr.
0: Fernando Tatis. Thank you. Not that Fernando Tatis isn't a great player, but last year they introduced the mechanic where you could be both a hitter and a pitcher. So Otani would have made sense. Uh, I'm not sure there was any better option for him this year. It's, it's cool to see, um, I have maintained this. I think that game is really important to Major League Baseball, MLB The Show, and to put a, an electric star like Otani on the cover is a really good. It's one of the few things they've gotten right. Um, baseball, not necessarily the game. I actually think it's a pretty good game. But you know, I grew up Madden, 2K. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, it was MVP Baseball, EA Sports. Like that's a big way you kind of learned the league. Is he played the video games and you would do the franchise, you trade for players, you'd see what's in for agency, like that, and, and cards, like like collecting the actual cards, um, which are coming back as well. But I think getting kids playing that game, they're gonna learn the players, they're gonna learn the teams, they're gonna learn the sport itself. I think it's so, so, so important to the league. And of course, it was limited to just PlayStation. Now it's also on Xbox and Nintendo, so that makes it even more accessible. Um So I think it's good that that's out there. I think Kotani's a good cover athlete. Now I'm excited for it. April 5th, it's coming out and there's a real chance that's all the baseball we're going to have on April 5th.
1: Yeah, unfortunately uh, that is true.
0: We'll see what happens, but I am, uh, I'm looking forward to that one. And I think that, that they did it. It was a good call putting Otani on the cover.
1: I don't think that the season's in jeopardy at this point. I think that both sides know that you know killing the season uh is not the way to go because you kill the season you literally right.
0: kill the sport well, i don't think do either mean, side's
1: going to do this
0: do you mean that in terms of just opening day or like you you don't you do do you think opening day is in jeopardy i think they're going to play at some point i don't think they're not going to play at all but i right. wouldn't be surprised if we get like a 160 game season
1: Right. Well, I mean, 160, they're going to play 162, but um, or, sorry,
0: I meant, I meant like 104, 140.
1: 140. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that possibility exists, but I don't think okay. they're going to get any less than 140 games. And I think uh, yeah. by that time, they're, they're going to be close enough on a CBA that they're going to be able to uh, get the season underway latest by tax day on April 15th or April 17th whatever whatever it is this year I think Ooh, how about a
0: marathon month sorry how about a oh. marathon Monday opening day in Boston you That'd know that's, cool. not,
1: that's not altogether a bad idea. And I think there's a possibility of that happening. So we'll play it by ear. Yeah. We'll keep you posted on all things Red Sox on clnsmedia.com. He is Alex Barth. You should be following him on Twitter at real Alex Barth. He also does a great job covering all things Boston sports for 98.5, the sports hub. Want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our terrific guest, as always, the one and only Alex Barth. Also, want to thank our great sponsor, Bet Online. Dot AG. For Alex Barth of 98.5, I'm Traggs, Mike Petralia, and this has been the Red Sox Beat Podcast powered by CLNS Media.